Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Have you ever experienced true emotional intimacy in your previous relationships? I mean, many people I have worked with usually say, Kim, I don't even know what that means or what that feels like. And if you grew up in an environment where that closeness and emotional expressiveness weren't cultivated, then this concept might be totally foreign to you. Intimacy involves feelings of emotional closeness and connectedness with another person, and intimate relationships are often characterized by attitudes of mutual trust and caring and acceptance, and often intimacy with others involves taking emotional risks where people might share personal details and stories. Now, that in itself can be scary for a lot of people. So if you think back to your previous partners and friendships and even relationships with your family members, what degree of intimacy have you had? As most of you know, I work with people, well, maybe not all of you know this, but now you do. I work with people in all phases of relationships, from the courting phase of dating all the way through committed relationships. And one of the things I always help people with is detecting patterns and habits that have not worked in the past and use future dating and relationship experiences to develop new ones. And I always say, if you want to change the story and maybe your story keeps happening over and over again and you keep recreating it, then you have to go back to the beginning to change the script. And this is why I love helping people in the dating phases so people learn how to express themselves and create intimacy from the minute you say hello, from the beginning of getting to know someone. I've been talking to a lot of, you know, people and in my previous podcast, especially during this time, and I know it's been challenging for many people. If you're listening to this, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And, you know, I'm actually seeing that people are learning to create intimacy now more than ever before. The benefit now is that you actually hone in on all the ways of communicating with a potential partner and see how you can build chemistry with the different modalities without relying on the physical first and other distractions that you might have before. So there's this client I'm working with right now, and she's the perfect example of what I'm talking about. And for the first time in her life, She is learning to build emotional intimacy without relying on the physical. She told me when she first started working together, she said, you know, I've never experienced what people keep talking about, that deeper connection, because I always go to the sex first. And the truth was, is she grew up in a home where emotions were not expressed and she never got that sense of validation from her parents. So she was on a constant quest to gain that love but in all the wrong places. So the bottom line was that she didn't see her worth beyond what she could do for guys so that she would be liked, so that she could be loved. And so I've been working with her on three fundamental skills to building an emotional connection. Number one, first and foremost, is that self-love. Valuing herself and letting men earn her, slowing down, seeing who shows up for her, 
not worrying about making the guy happy, but making herself happy and knowing that she's worth it. Number two, learning to trust. When trust exists, partners feel secure. And that security, especially for her, she's right now starting to see that it will not lead to ridicule, rejection, harm that she had experienced in the past. So it's not just trusting others, but also herself. And number three, direct communication and boundary setting. This is crucial. Clear communication can take a lot of the guesswork out of relationships, avert misunderstanding, and relieve resentments. And having her let men know where she stands, setting boundaries without worrying about what they think, but more about how she feels. And I'm happy to say she is dating a couple great guys right now. She's learning how to do that without getting too caught up, too attached. And with that, her tasks are to build relationships right now without relying on the sex and honing in on things she's never paid attention to before, like how she feels, how men listen to her, how men treat her, how they respect her. With our intimate partners and healthy relationships, we feel safe sharing our deepest dreams, our desires, fears, past histories, and goals for the future. And now during this time, that has forced us to slow down and pay attention to things that matter. It's just the perfect time to practice this. And today, I'm bringing on a very wise man, an expert in this whole thing, who knows a thing or two about building intimate relationships. He's world-renowned author, counselor, lecturer, and philosopher. He uses ancient wisdom and modern wit as he captivates audiences around the country and around the world. He hosts his own critically acclaimed cable television series, The Torah Forum with Manus Friedman. His first book, doesn't anyone blush anymore? I love that title. Was widely praised by the media. And following the publication of the book, he was featured internationally in over 200 print articles, interviewed on more than 50 television and radio talk shows. Well, now 51 because it's the charisma quotient. <laughs> I'm sure you've done more. He's appeared on CNN, AE, PBS, BBC. He's been the subject of articles in the New York Times, Rolling Stone, 17 Guideposts, Insight, Publishers, Weekly, and others. He is a professionally ranked member of the National Speakers Association, and his speaking tours take him to every part of the country as well as around the world. He enthuses each of his listeners and readers with a sense of purpose and definite direction. Welcome. There, are you there? Rabbi Manus Friedman. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Hello, hello. It's so good to have you. And actually really refreshing. Like, I think you're going to give such a, an amazing perspective uh, on, on this whole focus on intimacy and relationships, which has been lacking, I believe, for a really long time. I think we've kind of gone backwards with that. But um, I mean, before we dive into this, I would love to hear your story. Like, how did you get here? How did you get to be who you are? I it just, I, I read a little bit about you, but I don't know the whole story. All right. So beginning with my schooling, I was educated in a Chabad yeshiva. A Chabad yeshiva teaches Chabad philosophy. And it's a philosophy about Judaism in, in essence, but it turns out that it's a universal message. One of the amazing things is that 
according to the Chabad thinking, our relationship with God, serving God, believing in God, you use different words, but really it's an intimate relationship. Mm. Now we know what intimacy means and now we can apply it to human beings. So if we had to have a definition, what is intimate? It used to be that sex was intimate. Unfortunately, since the 60s, we, uh, we stripped it of all of its intimacy. We decided to have free love. <laughs> and it turns out that free means free of intimacy. Free of commitment, free of meaning, free of purpose. It became, um, it became a performance. Ah, that's interesting, and yeah. It also became pornography. Mm-hmm. Because it it objectified. So here's here's the definition. Let's let's work from beginning to end. The definition of intimacy is the ability that two people have, or that human beings have, to put aside all things and connect to each other. A person says, "I want to marry you for your money." Is that offensive? I love you for your money. I want to marry you for your money. What is wrong with that? So most people say, well, what happens if she loses the money? Or if he loses the money? That's the problem? No, it's worse than that. If a person says, I want to marry you for your money, it's a thinly disguised (laughs) request for money. If I say I want to marry you for your money, I'm really saying, can you just give me the money? <laughs> <There's> <laughs> It'd be a lot easier, to, be, so compl- to be honest. <laughs> Does everything have to be so complicated? Give me right. the money. Yeah. No, I can't have the money. I have to marry you for the money? Okay, I'll marry you for the money. That's what's so offensive about it. And that's why if the money disappears, there's nothing left. Because I was never married to you. It was just the money. Now, here's the shocker. Why is it any better if I say I want to marry you for love? Hmm. If I say I want to marry you for love, (laughs) I'm saying, give me your love and otherwise shut up. I don't need your opinion and your personality. Just give me the love. That's what I married you for. And that's why when the love is gone, there is no relationship. Mm. You have no place in my life because all I wanted was the love. So you just replaced the money with the love. It's really what you're saying. Mm -hmm. That's right. So to get right to the heart of the issue, Anything, see, love is a thing. You can have it, not have it. You can have more, you can have less. You can be good at it. You can be not so good at it. Mm -hmm. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. Every thing that seems to bring us together actually keeps us apart. So if you both love pina colada and walks in the rain, Hey, there's a song. Yeah, there's a song about that. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So if you both like pina colada and walks in the rain, 
then drink pina colada and walk in the rain, but don't get married. Right, right. Because it'll keep you apart. It won't bring you together. So the mm. two things that people think bring you together, love and sex. In fact, sex is called making love. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, is, you're right. Which is horrible. Uh, those two things are ruining marriages all over the world. Hmm. Love and sex ruin intimacy. Because if it's about love, then it's not really about you. And if mm -hmm. it's about sex, it's not really about you. And the proof of it is, after being intimate, the husband says to the wife, or the man says to the woman, how was it? Mm -hmm. How was it? There was an it in the room. <laughs> How was it? That's pornography. There should be no it when you come to intimate intimacy. Intimacy means just me and you. Just us. There's no it. He's not an it. She's not an it. Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. So it's actually like a triangle. There's a third Entity. Third person in the room, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, can I, I just want to pause. Scary? I just yeah. want to pause for a second because I want to highlight something that you're saying that's really coming to me, and it's so true. And it, it, it really, like the example that I gave in the beginning, where I was talking about that woman. So much of what you're talking about—the it, the love, the money—those are things that are fleeting. Those are things that come and go. Those are things that are these instant gratifications that I think society right now has gotten so used to, right? And, and I think when we then take those away and we pull in and we talk about, yeah, the togetherness, which I want to hear more about, that's the everlasting, but that also takes work. And so that's what you said is so, I think, also poignant on what's happening in the world today is that we're taking away a lot of the instant gratifications, the, the you know, kind of the, the quick hits, if you will, because we're forced to slow down and build something. So I just wanted to highlight that because I, I think that's brilliant what you just said. This is very, very true. Very true. But I, I was saying, if, if, you ha if after being intimate, you have to ask, how was it? Mm -hmm. Besides the fact that you introduced an it, the very fact that you need to ask, what does that show? Right. That you became one mm -hmm. or that you are so far apart, you don't even know what happened to your partner. And you have to ask, how was it? Well, you were there. No, you weren't. You were in your universe and your partner was in another universe and you have to compare notes. And that's when people look for that outside validation. Which is silly, because mm -hmm. if you can't even find it inside, you certainly won't find it find outside. Find it outside, right, exactly. So then, what is intimacy? Mm -hmm. Intimacy means you have become an indispensable part of me. It's not what you do, it's not what I get from you, it's not what you're good for, it's you. Mm -hmm. I need you in my life. 
And what is that you if you take everything else away? Most people have no idea. Mm -hmm. So this guy says, I love everything about my wife. I said, yeah, do you love your wife? He said, I love everything about her. <laughs> you love her. He says, what about her? <laughs> I said, no, not about her. Do you love her? He says, I don't know what you're talking about. See, here's the problem. If you don't achieve intimacy with somebody, you are absolutely alone in the world. Yeah. And being alone turns out to be a health hazard. Your immune system crashes. Yep. And you become vulnerable to every passing disease. Mm -hmm. So there's this brilliant line in the song, uh, Piano Man. Oh, I love that song. Yeah? yeah. Brilliant line. They're sharing a drink they call loneliness. Mm. But it's better than drinking alone. So powerful. That is. There is loneliness, which is painful, but there's something much worse, much worse, and that is aloneness. Because mm -hmm. you can share loneliness. That's right. You can share a drink called loneliness, but alone, that's horrible. And if you want to get a little biblical about it, what does it mean when God says it is not good for man to be alone? Actually, let's think about this. Is it good to be alone? Or is it terrible to be alone? Now, again, alone is a problem means you can do everything you need to do. You're completely self-sufficient. You're just alone. Mm -hmm. So if you need somebody because you're lacking love or you need somebody because you're lacking security or you need somebody because you can't parallel park or you can't fry an egg, <laughs> that's, then the problem is not being alone. The problem is you're incapable. Even having children. Well, you can't have a child by yourself. Okay, that's, that, that is not the fault of aloneness. The, the Bible is saying it is not good to be alone. What is wrong with being alone if you are self-sufficient? In fact, if it's so bad to be alone, why are people constantly saying, leave me alone? Yeah. <laughs> well, and many people feel alone in their marriage, in their relationships. That is scary. Because the one thing that marriage is supposed to fix is that you're never alone again. And that's the problem. That's what I was talking about in the beginning is that unless you change the course of you know your actions and where you start when you meet somebody, many people end up in the same place, feeling alone, no matter what the relationship is. And so yes. that's what I want to talk about a little bit, like, you know, just in ways of tips on how, how can people avoid this, like, feeling of being alone or lonely 
And I think there's a difference between the two, but yes. that's how they report it, right? And and then also, how can they feel more connected with people? So here's here's the thing. What is wrong with being alone is that there's only you. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're lacking something. You're lacking someone. Being alone means I am self-sufficient. I'm perfect. But there's just me. And that's not acceptable. For no particular reason. It is not a pragmatic thing. It's not a utilitarian thing. We don't know why it's so terrible to be alone. We really don't. Mm -hmm. It's a divine thing. God created the world because he doesn't accept being alone, as perfect as he is. Now, what's the solution to being just me? <laughs> you. I need you so that it's not just me. What do I need from you? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. But without you, I am not I am not me. In other words, there's a very profound humility that allows us to feel the inappropriateness or in unacceptability of just me and the pleasure of the completion that mm -hmm. comes from having you. So now, what does it mean you if it's not something about you? Mm -hmm. What makes you so important to me <laughs> is that you are not me. You are you, not me. So when you're in the picture, I am not the only one, because you are someone. Now there are two of us. So if we can get past all things... And it's not easy for us because we're very materialistic. Oh, yeah, especially now. Yes. We think of ourselves first. What do I need you for? What can you do for me? What are you doing for me? I think I'm doing more for you than you're doing for me, and that's not acceptable. It's so materialistic. And that doesn't let us get to the person. So a quick, a quick painful example. Um, Christopher Reeves, mm -hmm. just as an example. He's a magnificent human being, but he's paralyzed. His wife takes care of him for a number of years, and then he passes away. And when he passes away, his wife is grieving. Now, if you were to ask her, what are you grieving about? He was useless. He couldn't do anything for you. In the last 10 years since the accident, what has he done for you? What was he good for? Nothing. So what did you lose? What are you grieving? Of course, her answer would be, I lost him. I had him. Now I don't have him. What was I getting from him? That's an irrelevant question. Nothing you get from your spouse is more important than your spouse. 
And what is your spouse? A person other than you, which means her own opinion, his own personality, an independent person. You know, that's, it's interesting because, you know, there's that phrase, you complete me, you know, which always kind of, I don't know, I never agreed with because to your point, it's not that somebody can complete you, which I think is what trips everybody up. You know, they're looking for that, that somebody to fill their own void. Right. Right. And so I think that's what you're saying. And so I think one of the solutions and just to give my audience some like tips, because my audience loves tangible tips and what they can do to actually get that stuff that we're talking about is, you know, really understanding who they are and also being happy with who they are and not looking for a partner to complete them or, you know, like as you were talking about. So like, do you have some tips and examples of how people can get there? Yeah. First of all, improve, improve the dignity and the respect that you have for each other. Mm. We have become very sloppy. In home, in home, we are far less dignified than we are with strangers. Like, A woman who says, when the doorbell rings, she says, I got to get decent. (laughs) Yeah. He's delivering pizza. Why do you have more respect for him than for your husband? And if you have to get decent to answer the door, then what are you now? Indecent with your own spouse? That's not going to work. Familiarity breeds contempt. It's true. If you get sloppy, if you lower your standards, if you're less modest, less dignified, less mature at home than you are outside the home, Mm. you're destroying yourself. We need more respect. Just a simple example. My father never called my mother from one side of the house to the other. There's no such thing. It was it was considered so disrespectful. You want to talk to your wife? Well, go to where she is and talk to her. Don't shout across the room or across the house. And certainly not summon, like, come over here. Well, what, what, that, that, is, that is so mm. offensive. Mm-hmm. And it undermines the entire fabric of the relationship. You use the the proper and appropriate tone of voice. When you're talking to your spouse, you're not talking to your kids. You're not talking to a stranger. There needs to be the proper tone, which sets the mood. And then very practically, in order to have intimacy, we got to stop having sex. In order for that to happen, the bedroom has to be a little more sacred. There should be no television in the bedroom. There should be no computer. There should be no exercise equipment. And there should be no desk where you do your last minute work. Bedroom is a place for us, nothing else. If you asked your grandmother what happens in the bedroom, your grandmother would say, nothing. 
(laughs) (laughs) What goes on in the bedroom stays in the bedroom. (laughs) Right. But the answer, the only correct answer is no thing. No thing. A bedroom is a no thing zone. Leave everything at the door before you enter the bedroom. Because the bedroom is just for us being together. I have you and you have me. And we're not doing anything. You know the the sad statistic? I, I would call it tragic, actually. What? The statistic is that the average couple in America mm-hmm. have sex once a month. Mm. Wow, that's the latest? Yep. Mm. And that's if they're lucky. Now, you said in the U.S. Is that, do you find it's different in other countries? I don't know. I'm just quoting uh, the Pew Pew study. That is tragic. That's how a society becomes extinct. Mm -hmm. So it's not only that we've replaced intimacy with sex. We're not even having sex anymore. Right. Because without the intimacy, it becomes boring. It becomes... Um, it becomes a tension producer because mm-hmm. it's a performance and, you know, you're competing with a lot of pornography yeah. that you see online as if that were reality. Anyway, so the point is, in order to have intimacy, take everything out of the bedroom. Mm. Don't bring people into your bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a museum. show off the rest of your house you don't take strangers into your bedroom it's sacred ground reserve it for something Mm. special and for someone special now even more practical yeah intimacy cannot happen with the lights on it can only happen in the dark Hmm. i remember I Love Lucy. Yeah. The Honeymooners. Mm-hmm. When they showed intimacy, when the couple were going to be intimate, the last thing you saw was they turned off the lamp. Because it was the norm everywhere in the world. Intimacy is in the dark. And it makes a lot of sense now that you think about it. Because if you see anything, you're seeing a thing. Things get in the way of intimacy. Because intimacy is a Mm non-thing. So if the lights are on, you're going to see. And you see things. And that's a a distraction. And that kills the intimacy. So pornography is the pleasure of seeing But that pleasure dies very quickly because all you see is things. So the lights on in the bedroom, that came from pornography because, you know, it's hard to to take pictures in the dark. Mm -hmm. So no more. Only in the dark to where you see nothing. And no music, no television, no sound nothing and then when you're being intimate no talk no talk 
So you're saying nothing, you're hearing nothing, you're seeing nothing. Where's your mind going to go? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a really like togetherness type of experience that you're talking about. And it goes back to what you were saying, like just getting rid of the distractions and really focusing on, you know, the, the two of you together. What about emotional intimacy? Because we, ta- you know, we covered about, you know, just the physical part and also the respect. What do you, what tips would you have for people to be able to feel like safe sharing things with one another in an emotional way? Well, uh, part of the tragedy today mm-hmm. is that people who are emotionally intimate can't seem to find it in the bedroom. Yeah. Because of this mistaken notion that sex is intimate and that, so even people who are, and they won't get divorced because they have emotional intimacy. And yet the bedroom is all messed up. Hmm. Then there are people who are the opposite. In the intimate bedroom, they're fine, but emotionally they can't seem to get along. Yeah. So the secret to both is stop taking things. Hmm. Stop looking for what you're getting We're not there to get anything. You don't need to be married to get anything. Anything you get, you can buy, and it'll be cheaper than marriage. (laughs) Well, sometimes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So so here's, here's, here's the key to it all. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. If we don't feel that, then there's no room for another in your life. If you're important to yourself, nobody can compete with that. Mm. No room for anybody else. If I'm important to myself, you can be in my world only if you contribute to me. That's horrible. Narcissism. Yeah, you have to un- have to accept the truth. I am not enough. I may be rich. I may be smart. I may be cute. I may be powerful. I'm not enough. There must be someone besides me, because just me is pathetic. Even if I'm the richest and most powerful person in the world, just me doesn't justify my existence. That's beautifully put. And you know, another thing that comes to me as you were talking about those things like respect and, and the, you know, having the sex be more sacred and stop taking things is really that level of acceptance, you know, of one another and that true essence. Because I think that also we've become so disposable in in some ways because we have so many choices and ability to meet more people than we have ever. And, you know, in years past, if one thing goes wrong or if something little that we don't like, we get rid of it. And we're on to the next rather than really accepting that we're all different and that we all contribute to each other. And I think that's also a really important part of the intimacy because people haven't been giving each other enough chances lately. And I'm seeing a shift now. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a shift in that now. 
again, it goes back to being to being um, uh, pornographic. Right. We treat each other like things, and things are dispensable. Yep. Disposable. But here, here's the point. The fact that you're different from me, the fact that you have needs I never even thought of, the fact that you dislike things that I love, I can tolerate that, but that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. I can tolerate that if, on the other hand, you compensate by giving me a lot of good things. So I'll sacrifice one or two things in favor of 10 and 20 things that I'm getting from you. So the word tolerant is, is, is not appropriate. You can't live your life tolerating. It takes a toll. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> um, you can't live your life sacrificing. Yes. So yes. it's not that you tolerate the person's difference. It's precisely those differences that make them important in your life. Absolutely. Don't be me. Otherwise, I'm still alone. I need to stop being alone. And if you're a clone of me, then I'm still alone. The only way I'm not alone is if you are not me. And that's why I have to respect you. Mm-hmm. You're not an appendage of mine. You're an independent person, and I have to respect and give you that space. But why would I do that? Because your difference, that your independence of me, is why I married you in the first place. You know, I was going to ask you for parting words of wisdom, but I feel like everything you said was wisdom <laughs> just now. Like, so beautifully put, everything that you said, and such a different way of like it's a different perspective than I think, you know, a lot of people talk about. So thank you so much for all of that. Um, can you let everybody know how to find you and if there's anything you're promoting right now? I'm online with many, many subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the site is it's good to know.org. It's good to know.org because, you know, it's good to know. <laughs> to know. <laughs> it's easy to remember. And uh, because of this crisis in marriage, mm-hmm. where good marriages are not being intimate, because of that, I wrote a book called The Joys of Intimacy. Ooh. The Joys of Intimacy is um, precisely what we're talking about today. Where did the intimacy go? Why is a couple who are happily married and having good sex? why they still feel alone in the world. Oh, wow. Well, if you send us the link, I, I would love to include that in the show notes so people can get that and find it. So, yeah. yeah you so go relevant. to joyofintimacy.org. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. 
It's good to know. Good to know. Rabbi, thank you so much again. And this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. Remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you have never experienced this intimacy that we're talking about in your relationships or even in your interactions, and you keep even attracting emotionally unavailable people in your life, then click the link you see here in the show description for a free breakthrough call to see what is going on and how I can possibly help you. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day. 